surprise, your speaker has on boots, but they're not hiking boots. So we changed it up. If you didn't notice, it's me. Uh, Pastor Bob was uh, leading our first grow together, as he does now. We feel it's very important for people who uh, may want to make this church their home, that they are able to talk to him, to know his heart, his character, his style, um, if they haven't gotten it already. And then next week, I lead. Um, so if you miss the first one, that's okay, because the best one's next week. <laughs> you can just join me at nine, that I'll catch up on his. So, um, but I, I'm excited to be here. And when you get the mic, that can be dangerous, because it means you get to do whatever you want to do. Well, not really. But... Today is a very special day, and I get to do whatever I want to do because I have the mic. Today is my grandma's 90th birthday. <laughs> this is one of the women of God who is responsible for where I am today. She has lived a life. Amen. She has lived a life of integrity and lived a life of faith in God that continues today. She adores the church, and I believe that's where I got my love for the church. Um, you are the church, so you should thank her, because she's the reason I love you <laughs> and God. So I would like us to sing happy birthday to my grandma, and I'll shave off 30 seconds of my sermon. All right, Ready? Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear grandma, happy birthday to you. If you were in the Christian school that Bob and I ran, you know the rule is you have to stand on your chair. But I figured at 90, we better skip that part. So um, I want to start off this morning by just sharing a little something um, of interest because I know that all of you love to hear our family stories. You should because I've said for years I should have my own reality show and I'd be filthy rich. Right, Mom? Amen. Get an amen. So as we start this sermon, um, you probably mostly all know that I am an avid Disney fan and just love Disney. My family were kind of Disney freaks. So I want to start with this quote. I only hope that we never lose sight of one thing, that it was all started by a mouse. Dad, you know where I'm going with this. <laughs> Well, as I was preparing for this study, I laid in the floor in front of the fire that I've never gotten to lay in front of before because it's brand new in my home. And I was just thanking the Lord for the beauty of the fire. And I started talking to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, this is so important this week. You, you, have, to, you have to talk through me. It cannot be anything that is me. You have to show me what do you want to say and honestly, I started falling asleep. Because <laughs> if you know me, you know I don't 
sit still too long. And so when I do, it's kind of like, yeah. So I just started dozing off in the sweet presence of the Lord. And I feel a soft pet rubbing against my knee. The problem with that is we have no pets. <laughs> and I'm like, what the heck? So I throw the blanket, and when I do, a mouse runs off of me. I'm not even lying. Into a crack on the fireplace, to which I proceeded to scream, get on top of my new coffee table. I'm sitting on it. I'm like up on the, I'm calling my husband who doesn't answer. So I call my dad who does answer. If you're a girl, you know your dad answers. I'm like, Dad, there's a mouse, and he went in a hole under the fireplace. This is a brand new fireplace. How could this happen? So I proceed to get up. He's like, do you want me to come over? I'm like, I don't know. Bob's, I'm like, well, yeah, never mind. <laughs> get over here. So I proceed to shove a towel under the fireplace to find out there's no hole. He's just hiding in a crack. So as I go to stuff it, his little claws are like, and I'm like, ah! I'm screaming. Oh, whew, I gotta calm down. I sit for a half hour on the coffee table and whip stuff at the fireplace until my dad gets there because I don't want him to come out. So when he would come out, I'd do one of these. Like, get back in there. He did stay in there. My dad came over, set a trap. We watched him come out, sniff the two traps, and run into the other room. <laughs> I did catch him this week. But this started the war of the mice, which I believe someone was also a victim of this morning. <laughs> Susie! <laughs> so my husband, who did not come to help me, did make it home in time before his meeting to leave a lifelike rat under my dresser. <laughs> to which I walked in and Ella was on the floor and I almost karate kicked her in the face. I was like, what? what? You know, I'm, she's up, I'm up. I go in to yell at Liam and as soon as I opened the door and he grinned, I said, your dad. <laughs> so all week this little mouse has been going from room to room and I just found out it was on Susie's music when she went to play. <laughs> this has nothing to do with my sermon, so we need to pray. <laughs> I just thought sometimes you need to know your pastors are, are more real than you really want them to be. <laughs> okay, let's pray, because I need the Holy Spirit to bring my heart rate down. I'm just... Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be here. God, I do not take it lightly. I thank you that we can be real and we can also just open ourselves up to the Holy Spirit and be anointed. And so now I'm asking for you to totally empty me. God, because I know how important it is today that I only say what you want me to say. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are my best friend and you are so close. And so I pray that you would be right here, that you would help me, that you would calm my heart, 
that you would give me the words to say that would convey what you want to say today. In your name I pray. Amen. Over the past couple months, um, we have participated, many of us, in a study on the Holy Spirit. I must somewhat apologize to those of you who finished it and really paid attention because you're going to hear many of the things that we have been studying. Um, but I'm going to throw Kimberly under the bus because I was sharing with the staff my concern about this. And she said, oh, I never get tired of hearing about the Holy Spirit. I said, good answer. I'm telling everybody it's your fault if they didn't want to hear it again. <laughs> One of the most obvious things that stood out to me as we studied together was that I don't think about the Holy Spirit as often as I should. I believe I've taken him for granted. You probably couldn't have convinced me prior to the study that I did because I honor the Holy Spirit. I know I do. The main thing we learned, though, is that although the Holy Spirit should be honored and respected, he's looking for more. He's looking for relationship. It's very easy to see the Holy Spirit as an experience or a happening and really only look for him or acknowledge him when we're in a corporate setting and when we want to see a move of God. We can go through our life believing we're honoring the Holy Spirit because we acknowledge the gifts of the Spirit when we're together. And I'm glad that we do. But we can unknowingly keep him in that box and never recognize his position in our life and his purpose for choosing to dwell inside of us. When we identify with the Holy Spirit as more of a feeling, that's like an action verb. Again, we're kind of putting him in the back category of a happening, something we're feeling. That's a verb. We should be identifying with him as a noun because he's a person. He's not a feeling. He's not an event. Tim shared last week in his sermon that one of the most important things we learned about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit isn't an it. The Holy Spirit is a he. He's the third person of the Godhead, and he has a distinctive and critical role. The Holy Spirit is described as the finger of God, the hand of God, and the arm of God. In our study, John Bevere shared there are different rules for each member of the Trinity. The Father initiates, I call him the decision maker or the ruler. The Son administrates, he organizes and he communicates the Father's heart. And then the Holy Spirit manifests. He shows up. He displays it. He puts into action what the Father's will is, and he reveals the heart of Jesus to us. That is his role. Fun fact, the Holy Spirit is a person, which means he has a personality. That means there's things he likes and things he doesn't like. There are things that move his heart, and there are things that grieve his heart. In our study, we learned a few things about the Holy Spirit. I want to just quickly run them off. The Holy Spirit has a mind. He has a will. He has emotions. He comforts. He speaks. He teaches. He can be made to feel sorrow. He can be insulted. He can be resisted. And he can be lied to. 
This was Logan's favorite in my life group with the young adults. He just kept saying, that's just crazy to think he can be lied to because he knows everything. But you can lie to someone that already knows the truth. Our kids do it to us all the time, right? Did you eat that cookie and there's chocolate? Like, uh-uh, nope. <laughs> you can lie to him. You can. The Holy Spirit is not an event or a feeling. He's not something that happens in an awesome Sunday experience. Even though there are physical and emotional responses that happen within us when he manifests his presence, I hope you feel the Holy Spirit because it is the most amazing feeling in the world. It is. And I'm, I never want to know how that feels to not sense his presence and know it. But there is a purpose when he shows up. And the purpose is not for us to feel something. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to reveal Jesus. If you accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, at that very second, the Holy Spirit came to live inside of you. And the purpose of everything he does from that minute on is to draw you closer to Jesus. It's to teach you more about Jesus. It's to guide you in the will and the ways of the Father. Jesus is not here on the earth anymore. We say he lives in our hearts, but he doesn't live in our hearts. The Holy Spirit actually lives in our hearts. And he reveals Jesus to us. Jesus could only be in one place at one time. So the disciples and all those who got to walk with him individually and personally, guess what? They were only with him when he was available. But the Holy Spirit is available at all times to everyone, everywhere. And that is why it's so important that he's inside of us. If someone's living inside me, I want to know everything I can about them. Here are just some of the titles the Holy Spirit has given in the Bible, if you want to know who he is. Jesus called him the helper. Jesus did absolutely nothing apart from the Spirit. The Bible says that. I am one with the Spirit. He did nothing outside of God's Spirit. How can we? He is the author of Scripture. The Holy Spirit inspired the Scriptures. He is our comforter. He is our counselor. He is our advocate when no one else will speak up for us. He is our seal. I love, and we studied in Priscilla Shire, one of her studies, the seal, and how a seal was the authenticity that something was from a specific person like the king. I feel like he just stamps us and he says, they're mine. And this is authentic. He is our guide. He is our intercessor. He is the revealer of truth. He is the spirit of life, grace, knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. He is our teacher. He is the witness to Jesus. He is our peace. got peace, then you're missing the Holy Spirit and time with him. 
because he is peace. I love the scripture, Bob and I actually both love it, where it says, let the peace of Christ rule your heart. And to rule means to be an umpire. Let him be the umpire of your heart, calling the shots, saying yes, no, out of here, not legal, not wanted. He is an intimate friend. It says in 2 Corinthians 13 and 14, because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, he knows absolutely everything there is to know about you. An intimate friend is not an average friend. It's to know things nobody else knows. It's the kind of relationship where you develop your own language, like we have in families or marriages, and there's things only we would get. You share your deepest secrets and your fears, and you feel, feel safe to share your wildest dreams. Here's the most amazing thing about the Holy Spirit. He has the ability to know every single thing about you. Nothing is hidden. He knows it all. But that intimacy goes both ways because just as deeply as he knows you and loves you, he wants you to know him and love him. He's not hiding any details about himself. He's not mysterious. He's approachable. He wants to have that relationship with you. He wants you to know his thoughts, his heart, his personality. Although his presence can be experienced, he doesn't just want to be an experience. His overwhelming power is a significant event in our life. I can mark events where I have had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that is life-altering that you cannot explain. Have any of you ever had encounters like that with the Holy Spirit? I'm not trying to downplay those because this is a church that believes in those type of encounters with the Holy Spirit. I never want to live without looking forward to that and experiencing that again and again. I need that. But the Holy Spirit wants to do life with you. If you experience something unexplainable and overwhelming in this place, but you don't spend any time or hear from him or know anything about him Monday through Saturday, you're missing it. You're missing the sweetness. You're missing the intimate friendship you've probably always been longing for. Do you invite him in your morning routine? Have a cup of coffee with them. Is he present for the fun moments in your life? Do you vent to him when the Karen in front of you is holding up checkout line? Because I do. I'm like, Holy Spirit, you better get a hold of me. Because she's going down. I've got 10 minutes. Is he your guide in decision making, in parenting? Is he leading your prayers? Or if you're really honest, is he only someone you think about on Sunday mornings? Because sometimes we're so busy spiritualizing him and waiting for the moment that we've lost the purpose of why he came, which is to be in relationship with us so he can continue to show us Jesus, to teach us Jesus. I went into my office this morning and I was going to read my notes. 
And the Holy Spirit is just like, no, I just want to talk. And I, so I haven't read them <laughs> again. And I just sat there and cried, and he started reminding me of, like, moments with him. Moments where I've sat and watched the snow outside and said, man, thank you. That's beautiful. See, I'm crazy. I love snow. Times when I was a little girl and I was so scared that I couldn't even imagine the next morning. And I would look out the window at kids playing and think, I wish I could just play. I wish I wasn't this afraid. I wish I could enjoy today. And I just thought you were there. You were there. So many moments when I have not known what to do, so many moments when I have felt joy, and when I look at all of them, he was there. He was there. I think of just the little things in life. Um, last week, Tim was bringing up that Emily was saying she was playing with the Holy Spirit, and they were like, okay, Emily, now you know. <laughs> Tim just wanted to make sure that she understood, you know, this isn't like a pretend cutesy thing. And I'm not trying to make the Holy Spirit like some kind of ghost story because it's not. I'm, it's not Casper. It's not some cute little thing. What I'm saying is that the more you pray and you just invite the Holy Spirit into your life, he's going to show up in it all. You can do all of these things with the Holy Spirit, and that's when you're going to find the deepest relationship with him. We can choose to limit our interaction with the Holy Spirit. And because he's a gentleman, he will not force his way in. But know this, he is living inside you if you asked him into your heart. And this means that he is with you wherever you take him. He has no choice. He's going, and that should really guide a lot of decisions in where we're going because we're forcing him to go with us. I'm sure at times this can be so painful for the Holy Spirit, and at other times it can be such a joy. He can be grieved, and he can be quieted by your disregard of his feelings or even his warnings. He can also be your biggest advocate, your peace in the midst of chaos, your understanding when you feel so confused and lost. And he is the truth, so he will bring clarity on what is right and what is not. It's very simple. There's no limit to the closeness you can develop with the Holy Spirit. He yearns jealously for your attention and your affection and he has a much deeper relationship in mind than you can imagine. Tonight, we are going to have a worship service to wrap up our life groups. And uh, the amazing study we've just gone through, it, it's been great. We want to put into action what we've learned, and we want to honor the Holy Spirit. That's why we're doing it. We just want to honor the Holy Spirit, to spend uninterrupted time worshiping, and have prayer. And one of the things we're going to do is pray for anyone who wants to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
we, um, we want to make sure that you have that opportunity. And I think that uh, this is something that I would like to address this morning is that there can be confusion in the church world when we say we're going to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you might be saying right now, I thought you just said the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us when we get saved. He absolutely does. The Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit comes to live inside you at salvation. However, there is a second part to the Holy Spirit. When you have surrendered your life completely, he wants to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in the book of Acts baptized individuals. During this move, the Bible says those who were there were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. Some of the first people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit were the disciples. These are men who physically walked with Jesus. They traveled with him. They ate with him. They slept beside him. There were no individuals who had a more intimate relationship with Jesus and who knew more about him than the disciples. Yet, he told them, it is good that I leave you. I need to leave you. Because I'm going to send someone who can be with you at all times. And he said, and he will fill you with power. He told them they were going to have an encounter with the Holy Ghost that was going to change the way they knew him. When Jesus left the disciples and went to heaven, they were ready to take on the world. But Jesus gave them strict orders. He said, no, you're not ready. After spending all this time with Jesus, after seeing miracles, after spending every moment with him, he told them, you're still not ready to tell others about the good news. He commanded them. He didn't ask. He commanded them to go wait in the upper room for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He said, in a few days, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is going to come. It's important to understand the Holy Spirit makes a dwelling place in us at salvation. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a separate event. And in the New Testament, each occurrence of someone being baptized in the Spirit came after they received Jesus, and it was almost always a separate occasion. When the disciples heard that someone was saved, they said, we've got to get there and pray for them to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit now. That is how it occurred. We know the disciples already had the Holy Spirit living in them before the day of Pentecost because in John 10, Jesus appeared to them after he died and rose again. And it says, Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Therefore, they had the Holy Spirit at this point. But now he's getting ready to ascend to heaven, and he tells them there's more. The Holy Spirit is here with you, but you need to go wait for a supernatural outpouring of his spirit. Don't start your ministry. Don't start preaching. Don't do anything until you have received the power you need. There were 500 people that started and only 120 when the Holy Spirit showed up. 
many missed out. Maybe because they thought it was a waste of time to wait. We've got, we got to get on the mission. We got to go now. Maybe because they were not disciplined enough to wait. Or maybe they just chose to go in the power they already had because they thought it was enough. In the study that we did, John Bevere uses an illustration of a king, and the king is given ultimate authority. A king has great responsibility, but he's given all the power he needs to carry out the responsibility that he's given. He really has ultimate power. Position always precedes power. We have a position in Christ, just like a king has a title that allows him and affords him the right to exercise power. We have been given that position. But it's up to us if we're going to accept that invitation and we're going to wield the power that is given to us. A king can have the power and never use it. How successful would he be in running a kingdom if he never exercised that power? You need the power of the Holy Spirit. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to live as a Christian in this world. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to be courageous. You need his power to live a righteous life. You cannot do it on your own. You can't. You need his power to pray for the improbable, to believe for the impossible. You need his power to face the unknown with the confidence that he's got you. You need his power to forgive. You need his power for faith to believe for that loved one that you've prayed with for years and years and years and they still don't know God. You need that power. Most of all, you're going to need the power to give you a boldness and sensitivity that's necessary to reach a world that's cynical and unbelieving and lost. You're going to need the power. It's very clear that the Holy Spirit came to empower us. What is the difference between accepting Christ as your Savior and stopping there and being filled with the Holy Spirit? The power. The power. Fill in the blank. The power too. Whatever it is God has called you to do, you need the power of the Holy Spirit. It's sad to me that Jesus made it possible for us to be empowered and yet some Christians simply choose not to participate. I believe many Christians don't believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit because they've been taught incorrectly about the Spirit. Maybe we have at certain points. I, I don't feel I have, but if we have, God forgive us. We are people. But many have been taught incorrectly. Maybe it's because they have watched others abusing what is called the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's because some simply don't want to believe in something that they can't fully explain or control. There's some pride there. Many have seen just some good people trying to learn about the gifts, but operating in a way that's not appropriate for the setting, and it just turned them off. 
and they never revisited it. I believe with all my heart that God is doing something here. He is bringing the lost. He is bringing other family members who are called to be a part of our destiny. He is doing something new in us that have been here. And it's going to be a thing of unity. Because it's something the Holy Spirit has begun. And it's the Holy Spirit who's going to draw all men and who's going to bring unity between all of us in the Spirit. One thing I know is that this church will remain led by the Spirit. It will remain filled with the Holy Spirit. And our services will be directed by the Holy Spirit. We are not going to compromise because culture may not feel certain things are attractive to them. I am not worried about what the culture thinks. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm worried about what the Holy Spirit thinks. And when I welcome him and when I promise him that we will not let him be snuffed out of this church, I'm going to protect him. And the way that we protect him is by sharing the truth and getting on the same page so that when he comes, we do not embarrass him, we do not frustrate him, and we do not keep him from being able to move as he desires to move. In the words of Uncle Ben, Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. If we're going to be a church that invites the full power of the Holy Spirit and we're going to operate in all the gifts of the Spirit, then we've got to be willing to be teachable and to follow the Holy Spirit's blueprints for operating in the gifts. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to draw all men to Jesus. It's not simply for us to indulge in a feeling. We must constantly be looking at what we're doing. Does it point to Jesus? What was the result of the first outpouring of the Holy Ghost? Unbelievers believed. That was the first thing that happened. People looked, they heard, they saw, they believed. People who did not believe said, wait a second, what's happening here? The first time the Holy Spirit was poured out and those present were filled with tongues. This is where we hear the first um, mention of the Holy Spirit clothing people with tongues. The Bible says those who did not believe began to take notice and they believed. The church began to grow. He is calling us. A tongue is simply a language. That's all it means. So when people say speaking in tongues, it means speaking in a language. That's it. Very clear. The first time the Holy Spirit was poured out, here's what he did. He gave those who were there the ability to speak a known language. So they spoke a language that was an earthly language but was not theirs. 
So he supernaturally gave them the ability, for instance, for me to speak German, and I cannot speak German. But it was for the benefit of those who were listening. Those around were hearing the praises of God in their own language. And this was such a supernatural occurring that they believed because they could understand what God was saying to them in their language. There is also another mention of the Holy Spirit being poured out and touching unbelievers as well as believers. And this is where there was a heavenly language given. And a heavenly language was spoken. So it's not a language here on earth, which requires someone else to interpret it. And that other individual is given the heart and the idea of what God wants to say, and they speak it out. So that what was said in tongues can be understood in our own English language. Many of you, if you've come here for any extended time, have heard that happen here. That is where a heavenly language is given, and then there, are, there is an interpretation. There are several different types of tongues, and we're, I'm going to go over those very quickly because I feel like it's important. My husband said something in our life group um, that I do want to mention. We were talking about tongues being a sign for the unbeliever because that's what the Bible says. One of the purposes of tongues is to be a sign for unbelievers. And uh, Bob said, if, if initial tongues were a sign for the unbeliever and the Holy Spirit wants to continue to use that for the unbeliever, how will that work if there's always only believers at church on Sunday? I didn't say it. He said it. <laughs> Are we inviting unbelievers? If not, why? In order for the world to want to see the Holy Spirit that we believe in and we preach, because let's get real, we're becoming we're becoming smaller here in the U.S. People are kind of just pushing aside that because they maybe aren't being taught properly. They're not explaining it. They maybe don't want the Holy Spirit to be in control of what's happening. If we want to continue and we want to share with others and we want to see the Holy Spirit exploding, we must be able to clearly communicate who the Holy Spirit is and the purpose of the gifts of the Spirit. We must strive to operate in the gifts in a way that honors his purpose and draws men to Jesus. We can do this. I believe most times we're pretty good at doing this. I believe it is our desire to honor the Holy Spirit, to operate in a way that would bring honor to him and bring attention to him. We can do this by studying the Holy Spirit, who he is as a person, as we've been doing and we can do this by studying what God's word has to say about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what's pleasing to him. Um, I want to share just what I feel is a beautiful scriptural explanation for the use of tongues in our study. I feel like this is so important for us to get on the same page and to understand because as we begin to increase and explode, we need to be in unity in the spirit so that there can be no fragments or no reason why we can't allow the Holy Spirit to operate. We are not going to shut him down. We are going to take the time to learn 
and to grow and to have wisdom about how to invite him and honor him when he comes into our presence. I want to bust any myths that studying the operation of the gifts is unspiritual. Because sometimes I feel like in a spirit-filled church, we can be very hesitant to discuss what's appropriate or inappropriate because then there's the assumption we're controlling the Holy Spirit. We're not controlling the Holy Spirit. That could not be any further from the truth. When we honor the Holy Spirit's purpose and we get on the same page, we're actually opening the door to see the greatest explosion of the Holy Spirit we have ever encountered together. That is what I am believing for. I am believing for an explosion of his presence. I want to just share, and then um, I'm going to wrap it up here in, in just a minute. But I want to share the four types of tongues, because I think it's important. Just hang with me. Don't get lost. Just hang with me. Two, I already mentioned, they're for public use. One is a tongues as a sign to unbelievers. It's when a known language is supernaturally given to an individual or group so those in attendance can hear that message in their own language. Two is tongues for interpretation. This is a heavenly language. It's given to an individual and then an interpretation is given. Let me say, if there is a tongue for interpretation, there must be an interpretation. In order for everyone who is present to understand what just happened, there has to be an interpretation in our language. That is why when a message is given, we wait. Sometimes people are hesitant because we're humans and we don't want to be wrong. We don't want to get it wrong. But in order for it to be appropriate, we need to see an interpretation. Why? There's a scripture for this. It says, therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, that is the tongue for interpretation, and there comes in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say you are out of your mind? That's the scripture. That's 1 Corinthians. He wants to make sure that his purpose is being conveyed if there is a tongue that is public and it is made loudly and it is made for everyone, then the benefit can only come when it is interpreted. John Bevere shares in the wrong setting, this expression of tongues can be chaotic and purposeless. Remember the public purpose of gifts is to draw unbelievers and edify us together as believers. This can also be very true of our worship, not even tongues and interpretation. We believe in worship that is electric here. You're probably never going to see me standing still during worship. Um, we believe in taking a walk if you're Bob. You just walk wherever. I don't know. I don't know what he's doing. Uh, dancing, shouting, flags. Hey, how you want to worship God, we want you to worship God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. I don't want to be in a dead church, and I won't be. I cannot handle it. Sometimes worship can catch someone else's eye. If I start to do something like, what's she doing? There's nothing wrong with that. If someone's curious of our worship or it piques their interest, 
that's not a bad thing. However, the moment our worship interferes with corporate worship or it personally interferes with someone else trying to worship, that's when it's inappropriate. We don't want to hinder someone around us from being able to hear what's happening in the worship or to get into their own zone and worship. We must always do everything with the intention of bringing honor and glory to the Holy Spirit and not hindering his purpose. Those last two tongues I want to share are for private use. These are tongues that connect us individually to God. There is tongues for personal prayer and there are tongues for intercession. They may seem like the same thing, but they're not. Personal prayer is just a private time between us and God where we're sharing in this intimate language and we can communicate with God and he can lead our prayers and we can develop an intimacy with him. It is a sweet and precious thing. And then there are times for intercession. The scripture talks about our weakness. Our weakness is that we have limited understanding. We don't always know how to pray. We don't know everything that's happening. We don't know what to do with all of it. But the Holy Spirit can intercede for us because he knows all things. When you're overwhelmed, when you don't know how to pray, when you don't have the words, you can begin to pray in the Spirit and he will rise up and intercede for you. He knows what to pray and we simply yield to him. I want to clarify that just because these are private tongues doesn't mean we can't ever operate together in them. We can operate in the presence of one another and it's biblical and effective to pray together in tongues. If it is with other believers who are filled with the Spirit and who understand what's going on, this would be a powerful way to pray. And it would not cause chaos because we know what is happening. We've joined together. However, if we decide to take our group out to a restaurant and turn it into a Holy Ghost party, the other tables probably don't know what's happening. And it could cause chaos in the restaurant and those who have invited us into their space. That's just a simple example. Um, it is not for us to indulge. It is for us to shine. It is for us to shine for Jesus. Um, I'm going to wrap up here if the worship team wants to come. The distinction of the purposes of the different tongues is to help us have wisdom about the appropriateness of each use. Paul made it clear that if those who among us are uninformed or unbelievers and we try to make a public demonstration without their consent and understanding, it will just turn them away. So we always want to make sure we're just sharing the purpose of the Holy Spirit. My prayer today is that by understanding what God's word says about tongues and the gifts, you will not feel hesitation in the gifts, but a confidence in the authenticity of the Holy Spirit. This isn't an unexplainable, mysterious, floating cloud. No. He's a person. He wants to walk and talk with you every single day. And as you get to know him, it's not going to be this, this thing that's filled with anxiety. He wants you to be comfortable with him. He wants you to know his voice and his heart. And he wants to baptize you in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. 
Paul said, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. And he says in 1 Corinthians again, I wish you all spoke with tongues. The baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gift of tongues is something that is for every single one of you. This is not a super spiritual gift that is given to those of us in leadership. He wants to fill each and every one of you. We are going to continue promoting the freedom of the Holy Spirit in this house. We're going to enjoy his presence, but we're gonna do it as we allow him to speak to us, to fulfill his purpose in drawing others. And even though what we believe sometimes may not be popular or even easy to navigate, right? Because we're just people. We're people and we make mistakes. And that's okay. But if we can grasp the importance and the significance of this power that we need to be the church we're going to be, then we will start spending time with the Holy Spirit. We will start studying him and we will start seeing the lost coming to know him because they're drawn to this power. We are going to have prayer. And um, again, I just, I want to invite every one of you tonight to just come and worship. We're not gonna do anything to make you uncomfortable. We're just, as we always do every Sunday, we're gonna invite the Holy Spirit. We're gonna have prayer. If you would like it, we'll be here and we'll pray with you as we always do. But I know, I know the Holy Spirit is going to be here because we've talked to him. And he loves to be where we are when we want to be with him. He loves it. So let's just bow our heads and pray. Lord, I thank you so much for the freedom to talk about you. I thank you for a church that believes in the gifts of the Spirit and that honors the person of the Holy Spirit. God, we are never going to compromise who we are in you, never. God, you have done miracles in this church. You've given us faith to believe for the impossible. You have shared words that no man could have known through interpretation, through prophecy, through other gifts. And we thank you for that. God, I pray right now that you would touch every heart and every life. If there are those here who have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, whether they're um, cynical of it or whether they're uh, maybe just uncertain or unsure of how. Uh, God, just let there be a peace among the body of Christ. Let there be a gentleness that comes with your spirit that just speaks to them in the way you know how and reassures them that you're real, that you want to fill them, God, in a way that you know them personally. So you're not going to do anything that would disrupt who they are, but you will be gentle with their personality. You will be a gentleman. And God, I just pray right now that you would give us an awesome service tonight, Lord, that we would just get a, a taste, Lord, of that glory that we feel when we're together with you. In your name we pray. Amen.